Right to be read podcast, episode number 47. Interview with Ian Maxi Jackson. You are listening to the Right to be read podcast, and this is your host, Ani Alexander. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Right to be Read podcast, the podcast that inspires and encourages writers. I'm your host, Danny Alexander, and as always, I'm delighted that you are listening to the show. I truly hope that it brings value and it helps you in your exciting but difficult journey of becoming authors. In case you have written a book and are wondering what to do next, please go to www.annealexander.com free and get your free ebook where you will get the information you need in order to create a good quality book, in order to prepare your book for publishing and find your readers. So once again, www.annealexander.com slash free. And today I'm uh, interviewing Ian Maxi Jackson. Through his adult life, Ian has helped people move through huge challenges. From his varied experiences as a business owner, sports coach, trainer, sales manager and therapist, he has developed a deep understanding of the fears and mindset that can hold you back. He has helped countless individuals to lose weight, stop smoking and rid themselves of unwanted phobias. His approach is down-to-earth, practical and effective. And recently he published his first book, which is called Escape the Mind Trap, How to Conquer Your Inner Demons. So let's see what we can find out from him. Well, welcome to the show, Ian. I'm really happy to have you here. It's good to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming over. And um, I would like to, uh, actually, I would like you to introduce yourself, saying what you are doing now and what you did before, because I'm sure that's not what you've been doing all the time, right? That's correct, yes. Yeah. So my, my background, I'll start with my background. Uh, my background is very varied. Um, I've done lots of different uh, jobs, had lots of different positions, uh, but the theme that ran throughout it was coaching. So two of the, the things I did for many, many years, one was that I was a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. So I was coaching people, obviously, to to get fitter and to perform in the sports arena. I did that at a, a major investment bank in London for about seven years. Mm-hmm. And then for a number of years, I was a, a hypnotherapist. So the the key areas that I dealt with there, I was helping people uh, overcome phobias, helping them uh, with weight loss issues, and also helping people to stop smoking. So they were uh, the two 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 big areas that I worked in, and 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 as you can tell, very much with a a coaching hat. And so for the last uh, year now, I've been transitioning, and the area that I'm moving into is what I call mind coaching. Mm-hmm. So uh, as the the title of the book uh, implies, escape the mind trap is helping people. Uh, have a better understanding of how their mind works, how the mind holds them back, and and what specifically they need to do to to overcome that and move forward in their lives. 
Oh, very interesting. Well, I mean, phobias really can ruin one's life, actually, especially if they are linked to things which are, um, you know, from the everyday life. It's, it can be really, really scary. So what you're doing is, is very useful. And I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely sure you've been changing many lives. Well, I hope so. Absolutely. I've, I've had some uh, very interesting results in my time. And sometimes it's actually gone into slightly different arenas. And one of the the arenas I was very happy to help with was a was a young boy, youngish boy. He was about fourteen years old, who had a, a bad stutter. And through the work that I did with him, his uh, his stutter was able to clear out. So it's very rewarding, and uh, people come back to me are very grateful, and 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 that's part of what I love about the work that I do. Okay, and I presume you're self-employed. You're doing it yourself and for yourself, right? Uh, currently, yes, uh, self-employed, um, with a view now in the in the next six months to a year to to forming a, a small company and moving forward with that. Oh, great! So, how does it feel to work for yourself and and to be the owner of your life and make the decisions yourself and move forwards the way you want it to be? I think that was always something that I, that I wanted for myself. I, I always struggled with taking direction from people if I didn't 100% respect uh, who they were or what they did. Uh, I think it very much depends on, on the individual's personality. Some people like to be in a very structured, very formal arena. So I don't necessarily subscribe to the view that being self-employed or working for yourself is for everybody. Mm-hmm. But certainly for me and, and my personality type, um, uh, I, I have very clear ideas on what I stand for and who I am and, and it allows me that freedom so I enjoy that aspect of it but also you know for people that haven't been self-employed before that it does I want to give a balance for you it does uh, it does have its challenges yeah. uh, when you when you work for yourself you don't have an inbuilt IT department you don't have accountants and people looking after all the extras you don't have inbuilt customer care so that there's challenges to being self-employed or, or working as a, as a small company as much as as much as it gives you freedoms in some ways, it can challenge you in other ways. Yeah, and you don't have the income stability which you get with the, when you are working with companies. Yeah, you're, 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 everything is measured on. Well, what I like about the the lack of stability really is that everything is a measure of what you're giving out and and how you're contributing to the world. So everything's not upfront. It's it's almost like. For me, it's almost like working on commission or working on bonuses. You do good work, you get paid for it. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the rewarding part, and that's the the fairness of the entrepreneurship, I suppose. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Okay, so uh, well, I have my own phobias, but I I don't think we'll be talking about those because they are not related to my listeners interests i suppose we, we we can talk about those at another time yeah. yeah absolutely but what i would like to talk about is writer's doubts which most of the writers get at some point in their life and i guess it's somehow linked uh, with the fear of failure as well so i i know several people and i i think there are many actually who uh, write but they write for themselves so publishing their works Sharing it with others is kind of scary for them. They 
don't get this level of self-confidence. They always think that what they've written is not good enough. And it, it's a really pity because, you know, what they've created ends up just collecting dust so is it somehow related to any you know any form of um, psychological problem or you know are there any tips you can share and uh, and change their point of view maybe uh, well yeah i i would be loath to use the the phrase psychological problem uh i think that's a little bit too sweeping but i what i would say is that i i think it is uh, partly psychological for sure um the the thing with writing most of your authors are they mainly non-fiction or fiction or are they well they are both to... i mean i have both uh, so it's difficult to tell which are more <laughs> to be oh, honest yeah i understand so i can only talk to you as a as a writer of non-fiction my book is a, a non-fiction book and i'm a non-fiction writer mm-hmm. so uh but hopefully your fiction writers will will be able to pick up something from what i'm saying for me uh on on a personal journey the the fear really was that that ultimately once once the finished product is done once the book is written uh it it feels like it's something permanent and that um it's almost in a sense that you're you're opening your view of the world up to the whole world and in a conversation or in other forums in the world you can always backtrack a little bit and review what you've said and you know um f- fill in the gaps a little bit but with a book it feels like it's a a complete work and and it's and there's a sense of permanence about it mm-hmm. so that's one aspect but the other thing is um for me it's incredibly personal and not everybody certainly i i'm from england in the united kingdom we're not used to opening up ourselves and and you know kind of exposing ourselves in in terms of of our of our views of of the world and our opinions and uh so so you really are revealing yourself to the world and i think that's part of the problem part of the reason people hold back is that they they feel if they reveal their true selves or who they are or the or their art form for a for a fiction writer to the world that that, that maybe they'll be judged on that and it won't have as much value as as they thought maybe it would have mm-hmm. um but i actually uh, in the book i i talk i have a chapter devoted to specifically fear and the first thing that i need i'd like people to understand with fear is to understand specifically what fear is so fear is a an emotional response to a perceived threat and the the critical word there is perceived mm-hmm. it's our, our our perception that there's somehow some kind of threat so when a writer has writer's block it's in their head that they're they're creating this story that somehow there's going to be a threat that once they publish their work they're going to be attacked or criticized or maligned in some way and that hasn't been the reality for me and for the many people that I know that have completed a work on the whole uh, the feedback that you get and the reviews that you get are very positive and it's a very uh, empowering experience to actually complete the book um within the umbrella of fears themselves that the the particular things that people fear is 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 being ridiculed um and and that goes back to what you're saying about feeling that you don't have a worth uh, and and fear of making past mis- past mistakes and and they've tried something before and, and it didn't quite work out for them they don't want to do that again um but most importantly and i think this is the biggest thing for a certainly for a first time writer is fear of the unknown they 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 
they don't just don't know what's going to happen at the other side of having this book published. You know, what will be the result? How will it all, all turn out for them? And what I say is the antidote for, for all fear, and this is borne out by what a lot of psychologists say, is that you have to expose yourself to that fear. So, for example, if somebody was afraid of public speaking, um, they don't necessarily have to talk in front of a group of 100 people, but maybe just arrange something where they do uh, a speech for one or two close friends or family members just to get exposed themselves, experience the unknown, experience what it's like to do that. So, for example, is this isn't something specifically I did with my writing, but something that people could do is to um, write a blog or write a short article for a, for a local newsletter, just to have that experience of actually having their word in print. And that would be an example of, of exposure, experimenting with the unknown and, and seeing what lies at the other side. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. I never thought of it. But yeah, that's that's very interesting approach, starting with small and then leveraging it out later on with, with the book. Uh, so if they see that it's not very scary and nothing terrible happens, if they uh, publish an article, most probably they will get more courage to publish a book. Well, absolutely. But people have different levels of fear. So if it's something that, if the block is deep-seated, if, it, if it's a strong psychological reaction to actually having the work fi finalized and published, then uh, from my experience of managing people through fear, that's what I would say. You have to take those first few steps and, and, and have that experience, even if it's at a smaller scale, and that gives you the confidence then to, to move forward in steps. That's, that's an approach not everybody wants to take. For some people, the, the block can sometimes just be an excuse. It mm -hmm. can just, you know, let, let's be honest, for some people, it, it's a form of laziness. Um, so that it, it can come from many different sources. But I think probably for the majority of your listeners, it would be some form of fear. Yeah, exactly. And um, when, when I think back uh, uh, at the times when I wrote my very first book, Uh, I'm thinking that the biggest fears I had was uh, the first one was that I will be misunderstood. And the second one was it was a fiction book, but I had a feeling that most of the people would think that I was writing about myself, which was not the case. So <laughs> those were like the two concerns I had. Um, but I guess the fears were not that deep because I just went ahead and self-published the book thinking that, you know, uh, un until I do that, I won't find out what happens next. So my curiosity was, uh, I guess, stronger than the fear. That's, a, that's, yeah, definitely. And I think that's how we, human beings are naturally curious. We have, we have two needs. We have a, a need to be safe, but we also have a need to explore, to expand our knowledge of the world and who we are. So uh, that's certainly one thing when I teach and I coach is that I get people to, to, to focus more on their curiosity. You know, what's around the corner? What else can, can I do? What am I capable of? And use that as a, a prime motivation rather than just the, the kind of survival mode. Obviously, we need to survive, um, but uh, curiosity has to be the, the stronger element of, of what we use to drive us forward. Um, but going back to something you said uh, just then, I was interested to hear was the the fear of being misunderstood, mm -hmm. and uh, that's something def that definitely resonates with myself. That that I thought if I put this out here, because as a writer you try and express in the best way possible 
what you think or what you believe or how how you perceive the world or from a fiction point of view as i say that that's not my strength that's not what i do but i can see how uh you know you're you're, you're trying to portray a message a story out to the world mm-hmm. but i i think the reality is um everybody views the world in a slightly different way and three people can see the same work of art or the same film and have completely different views on it. Yeah. So you can't let that fear hold you back because however well the book is written, it's going to be interpreted by different people in different ways. And there will be some people who misunderstand your message. I think that's an inevitability. But I think it's far more courageous to to share your message and get your message out to the world. Yeah, and before you mentioned something about uh, criticism and getting critiques for what you've written, uh, is there any way to be prepared for that? So uh, once you get, let's say, a quite bad review, you don't take it to personal and it doesn't ruin your whole day? I think what a lot of people are doing when they when they criticize others is it's quite often a reflection of, of what's going on in their world. So, and it's always worth remembering that. Um, so for example, let's, let's take it out of the arena of being a writer, just into everyday life. Um, if somebody were to accuse somebody of being very rude or impatient or any, any of these description, negative descriptions, quite often when you dig deeper, they're, they're, it's actually a reflection of the person who's doing the accusing. Um, and there's, there's a choice in life. There's a lot of people in life who, who are the critics who just walk around and observing what other people are doing and finding ways to, to write or talk about that in a negative way. And they're the observers, they're the spectators in the stand. And then there's the, the people who are, to use a sports analogy, are in the field of play, the people who are doing it and, and are brave enough to actually step forward and uh, step out and take action and, and, and spread their message to the world. So I think some level of negative criticism, is, you have to be mentally prepared for it. Just accept that not everybody's going to be on board with what you say. And also, if you do f- get uh, negative reviews on, or, or some criticism, the chances are that what you're saying is, is bold and, and, and brave and, and needs to be said. When, when, when you look at the, the great gurus or you know, the great heroes of the 20th century, they were very bold and, and, and very brave in terms of, of their message to the world. And the braver and the bolder and the, and the bigger that you go out there and challenge what's out there in, in the real world, the more likely you are to receive that criticism. So it's, it's, it's a double-edged coin. Oh, I see. Well, it's uh, it's definitely uh, one of the biggest um, issues that especially newbie writers are having, because uh, I I, th- I have a feeling that everyone remembers their very first uh, bad review, <laughs> because most of them take it so personal and and it really gets to you. And uh, although uh, I personally was trying to be prepared for that. Um, you know, it it still uh, kind of got to me <laughs> somehow. So it's 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 an issue we're facing periodically, I guess. I think the the other thing to do. Uh, I had a uh, a coach, a mentor called Blair Singer, and he had a phrase, and he said that when emotion goes up, reason goes down. Uh huh. Yeah. And and if you think about that, what happens when if you get a a critical review or somebody you know, it doesn't subscribe to your point of view, 
it's very easy to let your emotions take over and and not to look at the the actual content of what that person's saying mm-hmm. and and sometimes when somebody does give you negative feedback or you get a negative review in any walk of life after that once you let that initial emotion go it's worth reviewing the content of what they said to see if there's any value in 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 their comments in their remarks you know sometimes uh when i used to i used to many years ago i used to coach tennis mm-hmm. and it, it's of no value when you're coaching somebody in tennis just to tell them that everything they're doing is great, that, 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 that they should just continue what they're doing and, and it's all going to work out for the best. You know, sometimes you have to pull them up and you, you have to point out what's not working for them. So if you get a negative review or one of your writers gets a negative review, sometimes there's value in looking in the content of what that person's saying to see whether they have a valid point or not. Yeah. And being a little bit more open-minded about about the world around you. Yeah, absolutely. I do believe that there are, there are reviews which contain valuable information and the, a message that you should take into account for your uh, next writings because they may have very valid points. And by dismissing those, you may end up writing the um, the same type of things which were not really accepted that well by the others yeah so uh let let's get back to your book and uh how did you decide uh, why did you decide to write this book it's your first one right it is indeed yes okay so uh, how did you come up with the idea of writing a book it's something that i'd wanted wanted to do for a long time so when earlier we talked about writers block you know people have bucket lists i don't i don't specifically mm-hmm. have a bucket list but i certainly had a, a a mental list of things that i wanted to do in my lifetime and i think in in a lot of ways that a book is a is a legacy um after, in year, in many years time hopefully many years time after i've died it's something that will be left over for the people that knew me and and i think that the books are a great way of leaving a legacy. I mean, this is my first book. I'm intending to write a, a series of books around the similar subject. And it's just a way of leaving your your message out in the world. So that's something I was aware of, uh, even at a younger age, that I, I wanted to get my message out to the world. Um, but it wasn't. I wasn't clear on which message I, I wanted to go with. Um, but the reason I wrote this specific book, Escape the Mind Trap, was, as I said earlier in the conversation, I was a hypnotherapist. And there were lots of misconceptions about what hypnotherapy is and, and what it does. Mm-hmm. And I, I found with my clients that more and more that I, what I had to do was, was to put into context the work that I was doing as a hypnotherapist. So they really had an understanding uh, of, of why it was useful and why it was valuable. And really, in essence, hypnotherapy is, is, is a tool. It's not the whole solution. It's, it's a tool in the toolkit. Uh, and what people needed to understand was was the whole toolkit uh, in this example, the mind and 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 how the mind works and and myths about the mind and and, and misconceptions about the mind and and clearing those up for people so they had a better understanding overall of of how the mind works and how it holds them back and I, and I just thought it was a very important message I wanted to get out to the world mm-hmm. well um i I'm sure that you knew the subject very well but since it was your first book what kind of challenges did you have while writing it how did you approach writing the book how did you start doing that uh, 
basically what I did, um, I was encouraged by my mentor, by the guy that helped me to write the book, to get the framework in place first. Uh, one way that people might approach it, and I, I've seen people do this, is to think, oh, I want to write a book. So, okay, what's my chapter one going to be? Uh, okay, so the first thing I'm going to talk about is is this. And they they dive with you know, dive in deep and they just start writing the first chapter and then they review and review and review the first chapter. And, you know, 10 days later, they, they feel really stuck and they don't know what the overall direction is going to be. Yeah. So with me, what I did is I put the, the a skeleton overview in place to start with. So I knew the, the beginning, the middle and the end of the book. I knew the, all the topic areas, all the chapter names. I had the whole framework of the book in place before I even wrote the very first word. Okay, so you had everything uh, in details, and and you knew exactly what you would be writing. And once you I, had... I knew, yeah, yeah I, I I had the, the the broader areas laid out, and then I played around with those. And then when I had the chapter titles in place, I I kind of rather than write everything out, I kind of thought over the general things that I would say, and then I thought about the sequence of the chapters and and. What, what would make more sense in terms of this, the sequence and that type of thing. So the overall framework of the book was laid out very early on. Now, it didn't end up exactly how I planned it on within those first few days, but it was pretty close. It was about 60%, 70% uh, of that original framework was how the book ended up. Mm -hmm. And uh, did you have any anyone like an ideal reader in your mind? Who I mean, ideally, who would you like to to read your book? Certainly, in terms of the the kind of people I was that, that do read the book or have got value from the book, tend to be what I call midlifers, and it's very difficult to necessarily put an age to that. But but certainly, life feels seems starts to seem a little bit different once you get over the age of say forty. So really, my main readership is kind of between forty fifty five years old. Mm -hmm. And people who, for the most part, just feel a little bit frustrated. They've had success in their life and uh, they've tasted some success, but they feel frustrated that their lives aren't quite at the level that they, they think they should be at this point. And they know that there's some habits that are, are very kind of firmly entrenched and they want to know how to overcome those habits. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see. So, and did you have any specific writing routine or did you write every day in the same time of the day or you just followed the flow? How did you approach that part? I certainly, no, I, I'm not as um, structured and as formal as to say, okay, I'm going to sit down at nine o'clock every day and, and write for half an hour. That, that, that was a way that was, that was, I would always struggle with. So what I did was I knew that I needed Uh, time away to really immerse myself and have that feeling of making real progress. So once I knew I was going to write the book, uh, I, I saved up over the course of two or three months. I got the whole framework in place. Like I said, the, the, the book title and I worked on the book title and I worked on the chapters and the framework of the book. And I did some background reading. I spent the first two or three months doing the background research Uh, alongside the research I'd, I'd obviously done on an ongoing basis. And I deliberately took some time out. So I actually took a few weeks and I, I went completely away from my normal environment. I took uh, five weeks and I went over to Lanzarote in the Canary Islands. Uh, but I specifically saved for that, saved the money, 
took the time out and and gave myself that space to to fully focus on what I was doing. Uh-huh. Well, that's that's the ideal situation when you can really, you know, take that time off and fully focus on what you're doing because uh, most of us are just balancing it uh, with with the other stuff that we're supposed to do. Yeah, but but in terms of And I know not everybody could take five weeks, so I was very fortunate to be able to do that. But whatever period of time it is, I liked to have a block of time where I was really focusing on what I was doing. And to to be able to put it into 20 minutes or half an hour a day, I'm not saying that other people could, couldn't do that. I'm, I'm sure they can. But for me personally, you have to know yourself. You have to know what style is going to work for you. So mm-hmm. for me to completely be able to immerse myself in it, It didn't just happen. I had to work it up and I had to I had to make arrangements to to be able to do that, to give myself the freedom to do that. Um and even if it's a weekend away or some time out that people can find, there's a real sense of progress when you can steep yourself in the writing for a period of time. Mm-hmm. I see. And um how was it? I mean, since it was your first writing experience, did you enjoy it or was it difficult? How did you feel about that? It was it was enjoyable, but but I don't think it it's not like a a comp- it's enjoyable, but you don't feel joyous the whole time you're doing it. It's very, I did find it very very challenging. Mm-hmm. And um and I found it very confrontational. Every time that I'd written a chapter or, or I'd done something, the question that you, you said comes up for a lot of people earlier came up for me. What's the value in this? Who, you know, who's going to read this? Who's going to be interested? In Is this going to work? All those things come up. I don't think there's anybody that writes that doesn't have those questions come up. Yeah. Uh, so maybe that's of comfort to some of the writers out there. Don't think that you're alone if these challenges are coming up for you. If you have that nervousness about is this a value i think that exists for, for for most if not all writers and it was a long time before i let anybody read anything that i'd written i mean the, the book was virtually finished before i let anybody read a, a single word of what i'd written because i i too had that that block for a long long time it mm. it was certainly an enjoyable process uh but incredibly challenging and and, and very confrontational as well mhm i see so um in that case Once, uh, how long did it take? These five weeks that you concentrated and wrote the book? I got a lot of the book done in that in that period of time. Um, but so I started, I decided to do the book. And I think you do have to make a decision. Mm-hmm. You definitely have to say, this is going to happen. Not I'm going to try and write a book or I'm going to see if I can make this happen. You have to decide that you're finally going to do it. And normally when anybody makes a decision in life, you kind of have that inner knowing. You sort of know that you're going to go through with it. This is something you are going to do. So I made that decision in June 2012. And that was the decision made. And then later, by at the end of the year, I went away to Lanzarote for five weeks. I got a lot of the book written. And then I had a long period where uh, I had to I had to bring in an income. I, I had distractions and I let the book lie. But I knew deep down the book was going to get done. And then I finished the book uh, bit by bit in the second half of 2013, and then it got published at the beginning of 2014. So the actual writing of the book, probably the writing part probably took about eight to ten weeks, but it was spread out over about 18 months. 
Mm-hmm. I see. And once it was finished and you went through it and you were okay and you kind of took the fact that it's done, you have a completed manuscript in place. Uh, what happened next? What did you do with the book? I mean, before uh, completing the manuscript and before publishing the book, there are various things that one has to do. So how did you deal with those issues? I knew that it would take me a long time to be able to work out all the different elements of what needed to be done to to, to get the book out there, you know, getting it on Amazon and, and, and various other things, getting the ISBN number. So again, part of the reason there was a, a delay in the book getting published was I needed to uh, get the funds together so that I could outsource that whole process. So I personally used uh, an organization called Authority Press, mm-hmm. and they so they did the they helped me with the book cover, with the ISBN, uh, with getting it listed on Amazon, w- with a whole range of other things. Um, and I specifically said to them because there were projects that I wanted to work on this year. Uh, to hold off on some of the marketing. So uh, the, the the reason the book sales haven't been uh, higher than they are or I haven't gone further with the book is that there's projects I've needed to get into place this year. But at the beginning of next year, uh, I've been invited to do uh, a radio show on iHeartRadio over oh, in the States. Oh, wow, great. <laughs> so, you know, I, the book's in place, the book's published and it's listed, but the big drive in terms of the marketing doesn't actually start till next year. So... One thing that I would say to people is don't be don't be too clingy. Don't grab at success. Don't just expect that everything has to happen overnight. Sometimes the process takes a little bit longer. Some people publish a book and and it flies off the bookshelves within weeks. And other people, you know, there's there's more things they have to do first to to, to get the groundwork done. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, nothing really happens overnight. And, you know, it takes time, it takes effort, it takes work. And even even the overnight success stories, they just seem to be overnight. Usually, you know, there is a lot behind that, that, you know, we just don't know about. I, I, could, I couldn't agree more. I so, I, I 100% agree with that. I, I'm very skeptical of people who say that, you know, the change can happen in a heartbeat. It's it's quite a famous phrase from a uh, a personal development guru that that I happen to respect and, and like his work. But but rarely do things change in an instance. There's usually a background. There's usually a process that goes before the big change and the big breakthroughs. And the successful people I've met in life, they always talk about the work that went on behind the scenes to to have that ultimate success. Yeah, absolutely. And we we never know about the challenges they they were having uh, in the process. So, you know, we uh, we see the end result and we think that okay, if we write a book and just, you know, drop it to Amazon, then, you know, we can repeat the same success the others had. But, yeah. you know, no. and people also certainly from, you know, I'm talking now from a non-fiction point of view, the the purpose behind me writing the book was to position myself and position my brand, if you like, who I am, what I stand for in the world. There's different reasons to write books. For some people, it's it's they they want to sell a lot of copies or they want to use it for speaking engagements. But for me, it was it 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 puts who I am and what I stand for out into the world so that once you're working with people and you're consulting with people, the basic information, the basic knowledge is there for them. I mean, I, I give many, many copies of my book 
for free as gratis as, as a as a welcome and as, as an introduction to who I am when I meet clients. Well, these days people say that the best business card is a book written by you. So, <laughs> it's... yeah, absolutely, and that and that was my my primary my primary motive to re- write the the book was because I had a message that I wanted to get out to the world. My secondary motive was it, it's a kind of elaborate business card, as you say. Yeah, and it's. Uh, I think that uh, parallel to that, uh, the message you're having is going to help so many people that it will be like continuation of your mission of changing people's lives as well. I certainly hope so, and I've had experience of that, and uh, I've had a lot of privately and publicly had a lot of uh, positive feedback and and how it's helped people, and that's incredibly rewarding. Yeah, and. Um... Well, uh, you said that we will ha- you will see better results and you know more more effective marketing once you you have your project in place. Which was when? It's going to be the early part of next year. Probably in reality, by the time the radio show starts, it's likely to be March of twenty uh, fifteen. Okay, so you will be hosting your own radio show there. That's yeah. Uh, fingers crossed. If all goes well, and and it's looking that way now, it should be airing as of of March of next year. And it will be on topics you are writing about, I presume. What I'm going to do is uh, be interviewing and learning and getting coaching from people who are living examples of the topic areas that I, that I spoke of in the book. So effectively, I will be a, a radio host rather than having my own rather than coaching specifically myself or my views, I'll be using examples in the real world of how people have gone through this process and they'll walk people through the processes that I talk about. Yeah, well, it's it's a very nice and enjoyable role, I can say, because that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> and it, it's lots of fun. And I, I agree. And I, I think that the there's there's great value in this collaborative role where people you know, use their experience, but also combine their experience with the experience of others so that people can pick up the elements of those stories that resonate the most with themselves. Yeah, because you can't be in uh, every possible position, and but you can meet many people who have been in different positions. So you get different viewpoints and different situations you discuss. Absolutely. Okay, so um, what would be your uh, last advice to newbie writers um, in terms of um, starting, uh, completing, uh, and sharing their books with the world? With starting, uh, I would, like I said earlier in the conversation again, I would think about the, the overall framework. So kind of have an idea, uh, at least a vague idea, of the finished product. Mm-hmm. So that you have a direction, so that you have a a, a vision of, of where you're going. Secondly, I would know, in terms of motivation, one of the things that really motivated me was the thought of the regret if I didn't get it done. So it was kind of a moving away, what we call a moving away motivation for me. I knew it was something that I wanted to do, but I knew I wouldn't be able to live with the regret of not doing it. Mm-hmm. That was the, the thought of that was just too painful that I, that I that I had this idea of the book, but in twenty, thirty, forty years time, when I'm lying on my deathbed, that I was lying in that bed thinking, I know I wanted to write a book, but I never did it, and that was a very frightening thought, thought for me, and it motivated me to keep going. Uh, in terms of the actual 
process of writing the book, a top tip, I don't know if this is something you've shared or other writers have shared with your audience. I am I'm very verbal. I, I like to talk. So I actually used drag, dragon dictation Mm-hmm. To help to help me get a, a a lot of the writing out there. So rather than specifically sitting at a typewriter or a, or a PC or a laptop and typing it in, I actually dictated it in using Dragon Dictation, uh, which was good because I was able to to quickly get my ideas out there and then spend a lot longer reviewing what I'd written once it was out there. Because I'm the type of person if I sit at a laptop or I sit at at a computer and I try and type it, I'll review each sentence as I'm writing it, which really slows me down. So if you can uh, take the time and the effort to and the investment to, to get Dragon Dictation, for me, it was an absolute godsend. I would, I would really, really encourage that. Mm-hmm. And in terms of sharing the book, I just – I share it freely. I, I go, if I go to an event, I go to a function, uh, I have copies in, in my bag – and I and I, I try and find when I'm talking to people, I won't just get everybody to get a copy of my book. But if, if I'm speaking to them and I think actually my message seems to resonate with the conversation that I'm having, then I'll offer the book to that to that person. Okay, I see. Well, thank you very much for coming over. Thank you very much for dedicating this time to me and my listeners. I truly wish you success with your upcoming projects and with the next books you will be writing. And uh, I hope you will have a really nice day. Thank you, Annie. Really appreciate the opportunity to, to talk to you today. Thank you. Well, another interview came to its end. But before I leave you, I would like to tell that I'm very happy and delighted about the fact that more and more listeners are getting in touch with me these days. And they provide feedback, they ask questions, and um, they connect with me through Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. I'm very happy. It makes my day. I'm, I really like connecting with people. And I truly believe that everything we do online is about true human relationships. So don't be shy. Um, If you have thought about connecting with me, just go to my website, www.annialexander.com. Annie spelled A-N-I. And you will get all the social media accounts I'm present at. And um, hopefully we'll get in touch and continue our relationships apart from the podcast take care Uh, don't be afraid of sharing your stories continue writing and one day i will be interviewing you 